0: If you have, in 15 years, 12 ministers of foreign affairs, you're losing something because this is a portfolio where you learn every day because you interact not only with 193 countries around the world, but several international organizations and NGOs and name it. This is Culture at a
1: Crossroads with David Mann.
0: With me on
1: the show, we have Jocelyn Coulon from the University of Montreal. Uh, plenty of experience as a commentator on politics in this country. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Now, your uh, connection to Trudeau, you were uh, an advisor to him at the beginning of his campaign as as the liberal leader trying to take government, and then you worked very closely with Stefan Dion uh when he was the foreign affairs minister when do you think it became uh most clear to you that as you describe in your book thoroughly that uh you don't think foreign affairs is uh, a particular strong area of our current prime minister
0: well we we know at the beginning that uh, foreign Affairs was not his uh, strongest uh, part of of his political Uh, ability. This is why in 2014 and 2015, just before the October uh, election, Justin Trudeau put uh, together specialists on international affairs. He met with this group of of individuals seven times, and every time we spent with him about 2 hours wow. discussing a particular issue okay uh, it could be on uh, the relation with the us uh, peacekeeping china isis because uh, if you remember in 2014 2015 it was uh, the, the talk of the town at that uh, at that time the terrorist group in the, in the middle east and there was a lot of refugees that was coming uh, from the Middle East. What we noticed during all those discussions uh, between the group and uh, Trudeau is that he was a, a good listener. He never think outside of the box. This was not a guy who challenged us. Uh, he, he just listened very carefully, took notes, that was important because uh, he, he was there to learn, but uh, that was it. Therefore, it's it could be uh, normal that a politician cannot be a specialist on all issues, because after all, he will be brief on finance, he will be brief on other aspects of uh, uh, governance uh, when you become uh, prime minister. But in general, we were satisfied with the relationship with the prime minister.
1: Would you say it became clear to you that uh, despite his uh, lack of expertise in this area, that once Dion was fired, that was sort of the signal to you that he wasn't really taking or applying the advice that you guys were were offering?
0: Well, before getting there, the prime minister uh, went to an electoral campaign where he made several promises on international affairs, on peacekeeping, on uh, the Middle East, on the refugees from uh, from the Middle East, and uh, ch- on China, on Russia, on several aspects. And when he became the prime minister, he decided to ask Stéphane Dion to become uh, the minister of foreign affairs. And this is at that time that I became the speechwriter, and one of the senior policy advisors of Stéphane Dion. Now, we were ready to deliver, deliver on what we have uh, exchanged with Trudeau during one year of uh, briefing with him, and uh, also deliver on promises. This is why we start working on deploying in an important peacekeeping operation, Mali, uh, this is why we took decision on the refugees and pulling out the F-18 from uh, the Middle East, but also increasing our humanitarian aid. This is why we start looking at a more balanced view of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, how Canada interacts with the two parties. We discussed that with Dion and his, uh, and his advisor, and we were advancing policy issue. But we noticed during the course of the year that Dion uh, spent as Minister of Foreign Affairs that things were not moving on. Things stalled. And we were asking ourselves, what's going on? And uh, we asked uh, Roland Paris, who at that time was the diplomatic advisor of the prime minister. This is a professor at the University of Ottawa. And we said, uh, listen, uh, this is June uh, 2016. We have been in power for seven months. Uh, Can we start implementing our policy? Paris uh, answered that uh, the prime minister has not making up his mind about foreign policy. Well, uh, we were a little bit stunned about that. Because we have spent a year discussing several issues. We have spent seven months in power trying to build up policy issues. And now the prime minister uh, didn't make up his mind about his his, uh, foreign policy. If you could, Jocelyn, what do you think led to this shift? I don't know. Uh, On foreign affairs, uh, there was uh, the talk at that time in January 2017, and later, it was the fact that because Donald Trump was elected president, that changed everything. Mm. And my reply to this, to my colleagues be- before I quit Ottawa, is that hey, listen, I don't think Donald Trump cares about the fact that we are going to send 600 soldiers in Mali. On the contrary, the Americans will be very happy to see the Canadians take care of this because they don't want to get involved in West Africa or in peacekeeping. Therefore, why do we put our eggs in the same basket? We should go ahead with what we have promised to do and discuss with uh, Donald Trump an uh, issue of common concerns. But that was not what, uh, what happened. And you look at you look at uh, the way Trudeau and Christian Freeland handle foreign policy during uh, up to the election uh, to the Security Council in June 2020, and you could see that we have not taken very uh, original decision on several foreign policy issue to make sure that we could win the seat at the Security Council. On the contrary, we fare worse than the conservative who have lost uh, the bid for the Security Council in 2010, which say something about Canada on the international stage. The countries of the, of the United Nations We're looking at a Canada that was an actor on on the international stage that has had a brilliant pass and now the prime minister didn't know exactly what to offer to the world and we end up losing, but very badly, to two small countries, Ireland and Norway. Where is the explanation? The fact that where foreign policy was not very active.
1: Yeah, could you speak a little bit to the history of of Canada on the world stage?
0: Well, as uh, as you say, we have to look at uh, at history, and uh, let's let's look at our record uh, from nineteen forty five up to the beginning of two thousand, because this is, I think, uh, uh, when things went wrong. Uh, Uh, We have very good ministers of foreign affairs, and among them, uh, Pearson, Joe Clark, Lloyd Axworthy were quite outstanding. Uh, The prime ministers were not bad also, having interest uh, in foreign affairs. Uh, Remember that Pierre Trudeau recognized China even before the U.S. uh, developed closer relations with southern countries and start a campaign to reduce nuclear weapons, Brian Mulroney negotiated the first free trade agreement with the United States, led the a worldwide campaign against apartheid in South Africa and create la francophonie uh, with French president François Mitterrand, Jean Chrétien uh, with Lloyd Axworthy adopt a new philosophy human security that ultimately led to the Ottawa Convention on the Prohibition of Antipersonal Mines and the creation of the International Criminal Court, that we are talking actually, perhaps to punish uh, Russia in, uh, in uh, Ukraine. Chrétien decide uh, against Canada involvement in the war in Iraq. Paul Martin saw his idea of an economic G20 transform into a political forum. That was quite outstanding because it was no longer the G7, but it was the G20 to enlarge the discussion with new power. And all of this activist foreign policy bring us benefit. We became a member of the G7. We were elected six times to the UN Security Council. Several Canadians were select to head important international organization, peacekeeping operation, and even international tribunal. And sometimes we act as a facilitator between the U.S. and other countries. Therefore, Canada was a player on the, on the international stage. But I think when Harper was elect and then Trudeau, we became more of an observer. Hmm. We, lost, we lost something in trying to, to move things uh, to better half the world. This is related to, to uh, individuals also. If you, have, if you have in 15 years 12 ministers of foreign affairs, you're losing something here. Because this is a portfolio where you learn every day because you interact not only with 193 countries around the world, but several international organizations and NGOs and name it. Uh, And therefore, if we have a new minister every 18 months, this is becoming difficult to focus on some Important issue, and at the same time, making sure that the prime minister is well briefed on international uh, on international affairs. That's that's one part of the answer. Mm. The, the other part of the answer is the fact that uh, the, the bureaucracy at foreign affairs at the Department of Foreign Affairs is becoming more and more. Uh, uh, Manager uh, or or bureauc- the bureaucrats are uh, promote because they are good manager because they are good administrator not because they are good diplomat. We are running department now like business. Perhaps it's a good thing because we have to make sure that we spend wisely. But at the same time. If you don't have a knowledgeable diplomat at the higher level of the bureaucracy, how can you brief a new minister who generally has no knowledge of international affairs? Because these bureaucrats are the advisor of the minister. Well, we have lost that.
1: What is your assessment of our current foreign affairs minister been so far in her tenure, Melanie Jolie?
0: Well, she's, uh, she's new in her, her portfolio. It's difficult to, uh, to uh, evaluate, uh, but uh, she started well uh, last, uh, last autumn I, by saying that she is being inspired by Lester B. Pearson. Uh, now, uh, that's uh, a huge step, because uh, if you want to look like uh, Pearson of, or if you want to be inspired by Pearson, Uh, you have to be bold in your foreign policy uh, because this is what, that was, pardon me, the trademark of Lester B. Pearson. It was a courageous man who take sometimes bold action that irritate the UK and France. Uh, Remember the Suez crisis in 1956. And, uh, I think she's going to learn on her, uh, on on the job, but she said a very bizarre thing for a minister of foreign affairs. Uh, she said that she will never sit in the same room with uh, Putin or Lavrov. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, the description of the job is not only to negotiate or to talk with your friends, but also to talk with your adversary. This is all what is all about in diplomacy. Look at the Americans. They have decided for many years that the Taliban in Afghanistan were terrorists and they were not talking to terrorists. Well, you know what? They end up talking to terrorists for two years. They sign an agreement with the terrorists and they pull out from Afghanistan. Therefore, if your role as a diplomat it's not to talk to everyone. Well, uh, Canada become irrelevant on the international stage. And this is why you have Europeans who interact uh, with, uh, with Putin and not only Europeans, the Turkish president, the prime minister of Israel who flew to Moscow, who was not afraid to go to Moscow, trying to discuss with uh, Putin. Perhaps it, it ended up With nothing but at least you have to talk and unfortunately I don't think uh, the declaration of Mrs. Early was was, uh, the right one Hmm.
1: It's interesting you lay out in your book um, an example that I think is well known by many Canadians the 72 Summit series that uh, took place in around the time of the Cold War and and Canada's delicate dance with the Soviets uh, at, at a time of of war, but I think you know many listeners would be wondering, Jocelyn, uh, how do you draw this line of being diplomatic and and having rapport with someone like Putin, but then also knowing when to draw the line and saying enough's enough. I can't be in agreement with you. I have to uh, slap down some restrictions because uh, you're doing things that disagree with my values.
0: Well, you just say you have to interact. But at the same time, you take sanctions, you take position against Russia and try to convince Russia to change its behavior, which is a difficult task. Everyone will recognize that. And remember, when Pierre-Eliot Trudeau recognized China in 1970, who was running China? Mao Zedong, a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Right. A murderer yeah. Good point. of millions of people. But Trudeau has in mind the fact that you cannot isolate a country of a billion people. Whatever you think of the regime and the guy who run the place, you have to interact with him. It is the same thing with Putin. And I think Macron, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France... Is doing a good job because he has decided that he will maintain the dialogue with Russia. Not because he likes Russia, not because he likes Putin, because Russia is in Europe. And you have the policy of your geography. That's, that's why we have a close relationship with the United States, mm-hmm. because they, they are there. But we, we tend to forget that the other near of Canada is Russia in the Arctic. And this is why we should at least speak with the guy in the same room.
1: And I think you're pretty complimentary of, of Freeland's dealings with the states. And, and maybe you'd go as far as even complimentary of Trudeau's dealings with the states during those Trump years where he tried to see the best in him. Maybe they didn't necessarily have the same politics, but he tried to see the best in them. But then, at the same time, almost in the same breath, you have Freeland uh, exercising her her ethnic patronage to Ukraine and saying uh, Russia is not going to be in the same room as me as long as I'm in this in this boat. Um, do you think you think Canada will be able to learn from uh, perhaps a, a lapse there going forward, or do you think we're going to continue to just drive a deeper wedge between us and and countries that allow? Evil things like like Russia has in this these past several weeks.
0: You know, one of the problems for foreign policy is is closeness with the uh, uh, cultural community in Canada, and uh, or or group who try and influence our foreign policy. Uh, the pro Israel, the pro Ukraine, the pro Sikh, the pro Tamil. You cannot run a foreign policy uh, on this basis, okay? The first thing you have to do is define your national interest and or national interest with the U.S., with Russia, with India, uh, with the Middle East. It's to make sure that you take the right decision for Canada, not for Ukraine, not for another country. This is why I have my difference here with Trudeau and with Harper is the fact that uh, foreign policy should not be hostage to uh, cultural community. After all, we are all Canadians and it seems to me that we, are, we want the better for, for Canada in his international uh, relations.
1: And that has been very applauded throughout this, uh, this conflict has been the willingness of Canadians to uh, accept Ukrainian immigrants into our homes and to, to go to great lengths to bring them here, uh, different even than uh, the 2015 migrant crisis in Europe. And, and maybe part of that is uh, maybe, sadly, it has to do with a bit of the binaries Talk, you talked about earlier, that there are so many Ukrainians here so we can identify they look the same as us. Would you say you've been encouraged with that at least from Canada in this?
0: Well, we have a past. Uh, I mean, uh, we opened our doors to the Hungarians in 1956. Uh thousands of them uh, came uh, to Canada and as you said in 2015, uh, I think we welcome about 30,000 Syrians and uh, other uh, national from uh, the Middle East and I will not be surprised if we welcome the same number of Ukrainians but perhaps more because the Ukrainians community in Canada is well organized and uh, we should be proud should be proud of, of this yes
1: on that note I just want to end with this so a lot of my listeners are people of faith and it's documented that people of faith are, are more inclined to give financially to things like charities and to support the downtrodden and those that are uh, foreign you have experience offering guidance on foreign policy to canadian government how do you think if you were to sit down with some religious leaders and they were to say hey we want to we want to be players we want to help you know canada with their foreign policy and and we 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 hold things like like immigration we hold that with with open hands we're usually the first to be like hey how can we bring these people our churches will support them What, what would you say to them how would you guide them to be even more effective
0: Well, I think they have, they they are doing a tremendous work anyway. And they have been doing this for decades. Uh, What we miss in the international relations studies at university, it's uh, more studies on how churches and religious NGO uh, interact with our foreign policy. I have not read many studies on this, and I'm sure that this is a field uh, that is important for us to try, first of all, to understand how churches uh, uh, interact with uh, Canadian foreign policy and uh, how they could be more effective to deliver on, on our foreign policy. That is missing in our uh, international relation department in the, all university across uh, Canada.
1: Awesome. Well, that's uh, the hope of having a conversation like this is to, to grow and to learn and to try to bring this information back to those people. So thank you for taking so much time. Jocelyn Coulon, a great contributor to foreign policy with the hopes of bettering it in the future in Canada. Appreciate this.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And if you want to find out anything more about Jocelyn Coulon, including how to get a copy of his book, Canada Is Not Back, you can head to the show notes. We'll also have all linked the foreign affairs policies that Canada has made over these past 70 years. That's at davidmanmedia.com slash podcast. Next time on Culture at the Crossroads. As war wages on in Ukraine, we'll continue our focus on foreign affairs as I chat with Globe and Mail columnist Comrade Yemnuski. He's been covering the France election extensively. We'll talk results and the unique role that Emmanuel Macron could play in negotiating with Putin. Thanks for listening today. A reminder that you can access any of our episodes when you head to the Culture at a Crossroads podcast. We do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus.